Hello, I'm Ray. Welcome to another podcast episode. First of all, weather report. Uh, where are we? It's uh, Thursday. Recording this on Thursday here in uh, Great Britain and it is lashing with rain. I woke up in the night, torrential rain, thunder, huge thunder and lightning. We've had massive storms. They all came up from France across the channel overnight and I think they're now heading, I don't know where they're heading now, I think they're still out in the channel. Fantastic though, the lightning. I, I leapt out of bed. <laughs> I forget what time it was. Leapt out of bed, opened the window and uh, the rain was really loud. The lightning is flashing across the sky and thunder shaking the house. Fantastic. I don't mind storms. I love storms. As long as they're out in the channel. As long as they're out to sea. I don't want them over the town. When I lived in the village, you know, I've often mentioned the village, there was a bungalow that was struck by lightning. And luckily, the people in the bungalow, they, they were OK. But the bungalow was virtually demolished. They had to, you know, what was left of it, they just demolished it and uh, rebuilt the thing completely. But luckily, I think there were an elderly couple in there and they survived. They could easily have ended up, well, it could have been tragic. So, yes, storms are absolutely fantastic. I love them, especially, as you know, I'm into radio listening on shortwave and everything. It's, it's fantastic listening to the lightning on the radio, all the, the crackling, all this business. You can hear storms on the radio or the crackling from storms, the static, even if the storm is thousands of miles away. It's brilliant. I love it. OK, moving on. Do you remember in the midweek message I was talking about words, the way people speak, the things they say? Colin has uh, messaged me, emailed me, and he says that a friend of his, and he only noticed it recently, a friend of his will say, uh, I'm going to go to the shops and buy some milk or something, or something. He said he keeps repeating that or something. Oh, we went down to the beach and uh, we had a nice swim or something. That's another odd one. I've had several emails. I'll mention one or two of them throughout the episode, but that's interesting. I knew a chap actually that did exactly, the, funnily enough, exactly the same thing. Now, he lived in the village. He was a radio amateur and he was always saying or something. Oh, it's a lovely day out there or something. And I never did understand that. So it is fascinating. As I say, I'll read out one or two more uh, during the course of the episode. But uh, yeah, fantastic or something. And there's one that uh, Trish, my wife, picked me up on years ago. I, th I think I still do it. I must check with her, actually. She'll say, do you want to go for a walk? So I'll reply, yeah, we'll go for a walk. Yes. Do you want to go to the pub? Um, yes. Well, OK, yeah, we'll go to the pub. Yeah. There's always that yeah on the end. And until she pointed that out to me, I wasn't aware of it. Should we go and have our lunch in the garden as it's a nice day? That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? Just going back to the storm. I lived up in uh, North Wales for a few months. Chandidno, um, is that how it's pronounced? Chandidno, up the top of Wales there. And if you know Wales at all, you'll know of the Great Orm. It's like a huge hill like a mini mountain. And one night there was a thunderstorm. It was dark. There was a massive thunderstorm. So we got in the car, drove up the top of the Great Orm, got out of the car, and our hair was standing up on end. It was a daft thing to do. I'm surprised that we didn't get struck by lightning. Our hair was standing up on end and you could feel all over your body kind of, um, I don't know, like when the hairs stand up on the back of your neck, it was all over. 
And I said, quick, you know, back in the car. We, we got back into the car. Oh, for the grammar police out there, sorry, quickly, not quick. <laughs> I've had one or two remarks about grammar and syntax. So we got back into the car and drove back down the, uh, the hill very, very fast. But that was a dull thing to do. It was my idea. And uh, as I say, we could quite easily have been struck by lightning and stood on the top of the Great Orm. That was back, when was that? That was in the 70s. Yeah, that must have been 70, 75, 76. I can't remember. Something like that. Anyway, happy days. Great stuff. There was, just going back to uh, the words again, um, I don't know whether I mentioned this before. A friend of mine used to say, like you know. I was painting the ceiling, like you know, and uh, I stirred the paint, like you know, and dropped the pot, and it went all over the floor, like you know. It, everything was like you know, which is odd, isn't it? And another chap I knew, instead of saying, uh, like finding a fault on the radio, he'd say, well, it's a process, instead of saying a process of elimination, process of elimination, he'd say, well, it's a process of illumination. <laughs> and in the workshop, we used to laugh. Process of illumination. He always got it wrong. It was so funny to hear him every time he mentioned fault-finding, process of illumination, I don't know. Got one or two others here. Yeah, another chap in the workshop. He called a, instead of a cassette tape recorder, it was a castanet. <laughs> and instead of capacitor, you know, electronic components, a capacitor, it was a capacitator. And Trisha's granddad, he called uh, bifocals, uh, glasses, he called them bowficles. <laughs> bowficles. And she used to correct him. He's gone now, bless him. But uh, he always got it wrong. He still got it wrong. I've got a few others here that people have sent in, so uh, I'll read those out a bit later. OK, the theme of this episode is changes. People don't like changes, do they? Now, was it 1971? That's when Jimi Hendrix passed away, isn't it? 1971, decimalisation in Britain. We went from pounds, shillings and pence to pounds and new pence, all decimal stuff. And a lot of people didn't like it. One reason is because all the prices went up. They rounded everything up to the nearest whatever, new penny. Everyone thought that was a daft name, new pence, because they're not going to be new for long, are they? They're going to be old pence. The local sweet shop to me, the chap that owned that, he was a nice chap, but he didn't like the idea of this pounds and new pence. He said that the pence should be called cents, as in American cents, and even dollars. He liked the idea of dollars and cents, which does sense make sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry, excuse the pun. But it does make sense because cents is as in percent, 100, isn't it? It is decimal, whereas pence doesn't really sort of mean a lot. Anyway, he used to he used to say to people, oh, that's a, a dollar and 50 cents. And they'd look at him and what? He means pound and, uh, sorry, yeah, pound and 50 pence. He'd stop that after a while. He realised it was a bit silly. People were commenting and laughing at him. But the point I'm coming to is the chap in the greengrocer. Now, this is the funny bit. I was tempted to say, now, here's the thing. <laughs> I will. Now, here's the thing. He didn't like change at all. And I was walking past his shop one evening. He was just closing up, taking all his uh, fruit and veg inside. And I noticed that he had the old prices on. Um, for example, I don't know, I can't remember. Potatoes, two and six a pound. Carrots, one and eightpence a pound, something like that. Can't remember the prices. And I said, uh, it's a nice chap, Jerry. I knew him fairly well. 
And I said, Jerry, what's all these old prices? We changed over to decimalisation, you know, two or three weeks ago. I'm not doing that. He said, I'm not doing it. I'm sticking to pounds, shillings and pence. I don't want any of this new nonsense. <laughs> I remember him going on. He used to wear a flat cap and this brown kind of overall thing with pens in the top pocket, you know, proper old shopkeeper, excellent. Now, the thing is, the as he explained to me, the money hadn't changed. And I was saying, what do you mean it hasn't changed? It's now decimal. He said, no, the coins, the coins haven't changed. You've still got a, a shilling, a shilling piece, right, which is five new pence. And the old two-bob bit, who remembers the two-bob bit? Wasn't it called a florin? That was two shillings. That was now 10 pence. So you still had the old coins with two shillings written on and one shilling and all that stuff. And they were used on the new system. So he would say to someone, right, you know, you want uh, whatever it is of potatoes, that's seven and sixpence. So they had the old, uh, what was sixpence? That would be two and a half pence, wouldn't it, I think. So he charged them in the old money and they were using old money coinage and they paid. (laughs) After a while, I think he had a letter from, wouldn't have been the council, would it? I don't know, someone, some authority or whoever wrote him a letter and said, you must change, you can't do that. Of course, he threw that away. I remember him saying to me, I tore that up, threw that in the bin. (laughs) Happy days. He eventually, of course, went over to the new money because then the coins started to change. Instead of saying two shillings, it said 10 pence on the coins and they were doing away with the old ones. But that was funny. He wouldn't change. He didn't like it. And another thing, and he did, well, I say he won. The All the greengrocers won this point, I believe. He was selling stuff in, in weight, in pounds. He didn't want to go over to uh, grams and kilos and all this nonsense, as he called it. Anything modern, anything changed, he called it nonsense. He wouldn't change. None of the greengrocers would, for as far as I can remember. Now, relying on my memory here, which is dreadful, so don't quote me. But a lot of the greengrocers said, no, we're not going to sell carrots by the kilo and potatoes by the kilo. You know, they're, they're whatever it is, they're sort of pound fifty new pence for a pound or whatever. In weight, a pound in weight. We're not changing that. Anyway, they did win. When I say win, I think, I don't know what they sell them in now. I think it is probably kilos now. It must be. But for quite some time, they stuck to, what was it, pounds and ounces, because they didn't, I don't know whether you remember the old signs that the greengrocers would have. They they had these white labels that they'd stick you know, with a, a pin or say through a cabbage and it would have the price on there. And they wrote with felt tip pen and it was a, a strange way of writing and they didn't want to give that up. They couldn't do kilos the same way they do the pounds in weight. And yeah, I remember that. I'll, I'll have to look into that a bit more. Quite interesting. So that's the sweet shop who didn't want to change. <laughs> the greengrocer didn't want to change. I mean, they all did in the end. They had to, didn't they? And then, of course, there was the pubs. Now, this isn't decimalisation. This is when we went over to the new weights, trying to leave pounds and ounces behind, which you've still got in America, haven't you? We went over to kilos and grams. Now, this also uh, was for liquids, such as uh, a pint, a pint of beer, for example, the government, or was it the government? I don't know who are all these people that make all these changes. Must be the blasted government. They said, you've got to sell beer by the litre. People were saying, you can't do that. Normally, you'd say to a friend, fancy a pint down the pub. Let's go down the pub for a couple of pints. You wouldn't say, you know, do you fancy a litre? Let's go down the pub for a couple of litres. It just doesn't work. 
couple of litres. You think you're talking about a car engine. What you got? I've got two litre. What engine? No, not two litre engine. I've had two litres of beer. It doesn't work. And of course, the pubs, I don't know whether you're aware of this all over the world. My millions of listeners worldwide. Well, OK, all three of you. We still sell pints in the pub. Pints of beer, half a pint of beer. We've stuck to that. The optics, now I always get this wrong. I always get it wrong. Is it a sixth of a gill or a sixth of a gill? I think it's a gill. I don't know whether they change the optics, you know, for spirits, vodka, whiskey and all that, gin and all that stuff. I don't like any of that. I don't like spirits. So yes, the, the pubs won. Well, I say the pubs won, you know, the country. The British people, we won. We kept our good old traditional British pint of beer. Actually, uh, correction, I don't think it was our government. I think it was the EU. That, yeah, because they started saying, oh, you can't sell pints, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't have like a yard, you've got to have a metre. You can't have a, like a foot, you've got to have whatever centimetres and all that stuff. Which, you, of course, in America, you've still got, haven't you? Yards, inches, feet. Um, yes, it was the EU. Because what else? They said, you can't sell cucumbers anymore unless they're straight. And it became a bit of a joke because, you know, you, you cucumbers have a bit of a curve on them. Now, you can't do that. And apparently the reason was because when they're packing them in boxes, if they're straight cucumbers, they pack nicely. If they're curved, they won't kind of fit in the box. And people were saying, oh, they'll be wanting straight bananas next. Honestly, some of the stuff that uh, they tried to get us to change, the EU, some of it was, some of it made sense. Yeah, a lot of it made sense, but some of it was ridiculous. There's one thing, old ladies, um, who was it asked what's a village green the other week? That was great. Old ladies on the village green, they used to sell uh, homemade marmalade, homemade jam, pickles, all this all this stuff. They'd, they'd spend hours in their kitchens pickling and jamming and whatever, <laughs> jamming to the radio. <laughs> these old ladies and they collected secondhand jam jars marmalade jars any jars with a sealable type screw lid they would collect them i remember people locally have got any jam jars yeah we, we'll save jam jars for you because they're making jam or whatever they're making the eu said no you can't use secondhand jars anymore all right you might get disease or you might get struck down by whatever you have to buy brand new jars and of course, uh, I don't know about all the old ladies in Britain, but I knew a few, well, one or two. <laughs> I knew hundreds. They said, we're not doing that. We're going to stick to our second-hand jam jars. We wash them properly. We boil them out properly. This is pre-dishwasher days, I suppose. And they wouldn't do it. <laughs> Again, the idea is, you know, it does make sense. People might not wash out a jar properly. You might get, what's all the, is it E. coli, as Samuel, not Samuelella. I'm as bad as Trisha's grand. Sal, you met, oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> a bad stomach. Yes, it makes sense, but it spoils the whole tradition of collecting jam jars for the old ladies to make jam. I don't know. It's funny. Let's just go back to words for a minute. I've just listened to the last two or three minutes of uh, the recording and I've noticed this is Bob. Who is it? Bob, Colin, several of you mentioned this and now it's come to light in my mind. I'm listening to what I'm saying. I keep saying stuff, jam, marmalade, stuff like that. And I keep saying whatever. For example, when they make, they might make jam, marmalade, pickled onions or whatever. I keep saying whatever and stuff. <laughs> so that's now in my mind. Oh, I don't know. All these different things. It's funny, isn't it? Let's go back to old money for a minute. 
the this was our government, idiots they were, they decided let's have a half P coin, half a new pence. We're meant to be decimal, so they have a half P. Well, it should be 0.5p, shouldn't it? You can't have half a p if it's decimal. It's like saying a metre and a half. Well, it's one metre, 50 centimetres, isn't it? 1.5 metres, not a metre and a half. It's mixing everything up. (laughs) I think the problem is governments and EUs and other people and and whatever and and stuff, (laughs) they bring in all these things, all this stuff, (laughs) And they don't seem to realise where they're going wrong, but the people do. And people are saying, what's this half P? So the government did away with the half P. I think we kept the penny, didn't we? Do you know, I never see cash. I'm not allowed to have any money. <laughs> Trish won't let me have cash. No, seriously, um, I, I don't have uh, change in my pockets anymore. I've got my £5 emergency fiver in my phone, uh, in my mobile phone, just in case I'm stuck somewhere, I need a fiver. Mind you, £5 won't buy much these days, will it? But yeah, they did away with the half P. It was like the farthing. Who remembers? You've got to be old. Who remembers the farthing coin with a little robin on the front of it? That was a farthing was a quarter of an old penny. You had a farthing, a halfpenny, and then a penny. So how people working in shops added stuff up in their head. So you've got you've got some grapes. That's seven and sixpence halfpenny, and then you've got some apples. That's one and eightpence, uh, three farthings. What? I, d- I couldn't do it. I, well, I can't do the decimal arithmetic in my head, let alone the old LSD, they call it. Pounds, shillings and pence. LSD. <laughs> no, not the LSD you're thinking of. I wonder why they called it LSD, pounds, shillings and pence. L. Why is L a pound? There we are. Someone will answer that. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Why was it L? Of course, the weight is pounds. That's LBS, isn't it? One pound in weight is LBS, isn't it? I don't know. I can't remember. Okay, message from Gail. She says her dad calls sparrows, you know, little birds in the garden, sparrows, calls them spadwicks. Now, that's odd. She doesn't know why, but he's always called them spadwicks. And she does now. It's just caught on. Oh, look, there's a spadwick. <laughs> and another one here from Eric. His uh, his dad, yeah, no, uncle, sorry, his uncle. I can't read my own writing again, as usual. Uh, he calls Sainsbury's Sangleduffs. We've got to go up to Sangleduffs. Why Sangleduffs? Brilliant. Again, it's caught on in the family, and they all call Sainsbury's Sangleduffs. I wonder what they call um, Tesco's. That's brilliant, isn't it? And there's one more here. This is Trisha's dad, who's passed away now, sadly. He called horses Nedricks. Why is a horse a Nedrick? Ned, yeah, Neddy, horse, but Nedrick. He had a load of uh, weird names for things, Trisha's dad. I'll have to ask her to write a few down for me and I'll let you know. But uh, yeah, so we've got Sangle Doves, Spadwicks and Nedricks. As I said a little while ago, isn't it amazing how when you start thinking of, of the words you use, and especially if you listen back to your own voice, your own your own sort of speaking See, then I said sort of. I often say sort of. Now, why is it sort of speaking? Anyway, rambling on now. Talking, uh, what's that word beginning with B? Oh, yeah, talking rubbish. Actually, I, I said I use the word whatever. Um, the, the latest version of that is whatevs, isn't it? People will say, oh, well, whatevs, <laughs> whatevs. At least I don't do that, do I? No, I don't. was it uh, totes? Totes for totally. Oh, well, totes, whatevs used to annoy my father. 
he'd asked me something or said, what are you going to do about this? Oh, I don't know, whatever. That annoyed him. He didn't like it. <laughs> it's all good fun. That was one of the expressions. Oh, it's all clean fun. Good, clean fun. People don't like change, though, do they? They don't like change. I remember now, here we are, I've got this wrong again. Which country was it that drove on the left, as we do in Britain, and they changed overnight, midnight? Sweden? Switzerland? Can't remember. You'll know. <laughs> Email me and tell me. Correct me. They changed over at midnight. They had all the road signs ready. And at midnight, they uncovered all the new road signs. They covered up all the old road signs. And people waking up in the morning, we're not driving on the left now. We're driving on the right. That must have been, I don't know. Can you imagine that? Well, perhaps some of you listening were there in whichever country it was. I wish that we'd done that. There are some things I like to keep like a pint of beer. Well, I quite like to keep a pint of beer, but calling it a pint rather than a litre. But there are other things I would like to have changed in the past. I think it's too late now, but changed uh, from driving on the left to the right because, uh, where, oh, where is it? Um, Australia. Do you drive on the right? In, no, you drive on the left in Australia, don't you? Cyprus is on the left. Uh, there are several places where they drive on the left still, but it must be a nightmare for car manufacturers. They've got to make some left-hand drive and some right-hand drive. So I think that would have been great if we could have standardised, you know, with the rest of the, or most of the rest of the world and drive on the right. Because when we drive over on the ferry to France or through the, or through the channel tunnel to France, you find yourself on the wrong side of the road. Well, the right side as far as they're concerned, but the wrong side as far as we're concerned. When I was in Spain, we hired a car and driving on the right-hand side of the road in Spain was fairly easy in a right-hand drive car. Now, my brother-in-law's got a Jeep. It's a right-hand drive Jeep on left-hand drive roads, and that's not so easy. I've done that here. I've driven a right-hand drive car on our roads, and it's not easy because you're, you're kind of in the gutter. You're in the curb. You can't overtake. You can't see to overtake. It's very difficult. So that's something that would have been great to change but I can't see that will be done now. We've got so many roads, so many billions of cars. Back in, when did they change? There's something else I must look up. When they changed and who was it that changed? I'm sure it was Switzerland or Sweden. Probably nothing. <laughs> I'm probably completely wrong. My brother-in-law's Jeep by the way, it's a 1940s Willys Jeep, you know the American wartime Jeep, not uh, a modern car. And that, of course, is right-hand drive. And he's in the military vehicle club. Um, I was going to say, or oh, whatever, <laughs> whatever it's called, and stuff. He's in the military vehicle club and Dodge trucks, because they're American, aren't they? They're right-hand drive. So far too late to change the, the side of the road we drive on now. Can you imagine the carnage? Good grief. Stone the crows, even. That's something else I keep saying. Someone pointed that out. Stone the crows. Where's it come from? I don't know. I've tried to find out, stone the crows. I don't know. And there's something else I've never understood. It beggars belief. So it's sort of unbelievable. You know, what? I can't believe it. I can't find out where that's come from. A lot of these old sayings, they go back, some of them, hundreds of years, don't they? That's something else quite interesting. I used to like encyclopedias. I know the internet now is far easier. You can look it up within seconds rather than having to trawl through a load of encyclopedias. But I did like those big old books, all in a row on the bookshelf, volume one, volume two. And you could look stuff up and there's pictures. In, oh, I don't know. 
whatever, <laughs> whatevs. One thing I'm very pleased that has changed, and that's the dentist. They used to use those slow drills, string-driven drills from an electric motor, a load of pulleys, and they grind your teeth slowly, whereas the modern high-speed drills are much better. Went to the dentist. We both did. Uh, when was that? In the week. Tuesday? I can't remember. Whatever. <laughs> and what for? Hygienist. The dentist said a couple of months ago, you both need to go to the hy hygienist, OK? I don't want to do that. He said, I recommend it. I, you've got plaque. Is it plaque or plaque? Whatever it is. Stuff. No, not stuff. He said, you've got to go to the hygienist. Oh, all right. Highly recommend it. I know why he highly recommends it. It's because it's £60 each to have your teeth cleaned. And the hygienist is his mate. Well, perhaps I'm being cynical. Well, I am. I don't know. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Is there a, what, a bit of a conspiracy going on here? So we both went along and I said to the hygienist chap, because I've got half the amount of teeth that Trisha has, and I said, do I get a discount, like half price? Because a lot of my teeth at the back especially have gone. Oh, no, no, no. So I, I made him laugh. I said, oh, you don't charge by the tooth then. You charge by the mouth. <laughs> and he laughed at that. But I didn't get a discount. I mean, is that fair? But the dentist these days, it's a lot better than it used to be. There used to be torture. It was a torture chamber. I remember a dentist years ago. I went in there and I'm, oh, I'm going back again to the 70s, I think. I said, I don't like dentists. And he said, oh, thanks very much. <laughs> I said that in the bank. We had to go to the bank. Was it something to do with making our wills out or something like that? And we're sitting there and he's trying to sell us this and sell us that. Have a loan. Do this, do that. And I said, no, we don't want that. And I said to him, I don't like banks. Well, he didn't say anything, but he looked upset. He just said, oh, oh, don't you? I said, well, I don't. I said, you've probably heard working in the bank that people call them the biggest thieves in the land. And he didn't like that. Trish is nudging me, you know, shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, that was funny. Well, they are. That's what people used to say, isn't it? Banks are the biggest thieves in the land. I mean, I'm not saying that. Don't shoot me. I'm the messenger. And they used to say that the church is the biggest landowner in the land. And I was thinking about that recently. I would have thought the railway was the biggest landowner because look at the track the railway tracks and the land each side the stations the goods yards all that you'd think they'd be the biggest landowner in the country I don't know time for another weather update beautiful day sunshine blue sky a few clouds left bit of wind coming from the west which is good we don't want it from the north or the east so things are looking up and it's where are we half past 10 what day I forget what day I said it was Thursday, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's Thursday. Went to a garden centre yesterday. Yeah, in, the, in the Britain, we call them garden centres. It's a, a nursery, is it, where you buy plants, flowers, and uh, what else do you buy there? All sorts of junk and rubbish. They're always overpriced, garden centres. Well, the ones I've been to seem to be far cheaper to buy stuff online. I know, support your local businesses. I know all that, but there are some things that you just cannot buy. Um, Suet slabs, is it, for the birds? You get the, the fat balls, the slabs to put out in for the birds. The prices in this one of the garden centres we went to, horrendous. Almost double the price of another one for exactly the same thing. So you really do have to look round. We bought three tomato plants, a moneymaker, an alicante and a shirley. Three tomato plants. And they are now um, in a grow bag. We bought, uh, what else do we get? Marigolds. 
some other flowers I don't remember <laughs> the name of, bag of compost, bits and pieces, I can't remember. Loads of stuff like that from the garden centre. So we spent most of yesterday morning in the garden, which is what people did in the old days. Doesn't happen so much now. Growing your own vegetables. I mean, I've banged on about this before, haven't I? Growing your own food, vegetables, fruit, everything, all like that. All this stuff, <laughs> stuff. It was great in the old days. I remember, well, no, I won't go into that. I've talked about sitting between the rows of peas, haven't I? When I was a child, sitting there in the sunshine, shelling the peas, taking them out of the pods and eating them. And the trouble is leave, leaving all the, what's that? News alert, news break or something like that. So, of course, my dad would get in from work and he'd go down to check his peas, see how they're doing. And there's a load of empty, well, they shucks. They're shucks, aren't they? Pods. All, anyway, all over the ground. <laughs> empty uh, pea things. There's, what do they call those? You can eat the, uh, the shells. Are they called uh, manj too or something? I don't know what they are, but you can actually eat the things, which is quite nice. I just wish we had more room. I wish we had a bigger garden. As I've said before, in the old days with bigger houses, they had far bigger gardens than the, well, the modern houses these days. You're lucky to get a little little patch out the back, a little backyard, let alone anywhere big enough to grow vegetables. The best thing to do if you want to go to a garden centre for bits and pieces is not one of these big chains, but go to a, a privately owned nursery. There are one or two around. There's one not so far from us. Little family run and owned nursery. And they've got some lovely plants there. You can ask them for advice. It's really nice. The only reason we didn't go there. Now, here's the thing. We didn't go there because for my birthday, I had a, a, a garden centre voucher. So we thought, oh, we'll, we'll spend that. So we did all our shopping, 60 odd quid's worth of stuff. <laughs> I've said stuff again, haven't I? We get to the till and the girl said, oh, we don't take those. And Trish said, yes, she looked at it, she had it. She said, yes, you do. It says here you do. Oh, well, we do, but our tills don't because the tills haven't been updated. There's another news alert. What? They haven't been updated. Oh, I said, just pay for it and we'll go. Couldn't be bothered to argue about it. But that's why we didn't go to our little family-run nursery because they don't take the cards, the, the voucher gift things. So the one we spent 60 quid at, they don't take them either. Well, they do, but they don't. Good grief. <laughs> What's going on? We need some other bits and pieces, so we'll take the voucher with us to another garden centre. The thing is, with the garden centres, as I said, a lot of it is overpriced and a lot of it is rubbish. They've got daft... They're not like nurseries anymore, like garden centres used to be. They've got a big coffee shop and a shopping area. You can buy clothes and things. I mean, it's just not a garden centre. There's a huge one not too far away from us. won't mention the name. Dreadful. We won't go there. I know a lot of people that say, no, we won't go there. We want to go to a garden centre to buy plants, get advice on plants, to buy compost. And that just isn't a garden centre anymore. It used to be decades ago. It was a lovely one. But then it was brought up by some huge chain and it's just all ruined now. Overpriced junk. There are some nice places on the Isle of Wight, nice garden centres there that we looked at a couple of those while we were we were over there on the island. I said to, did I tell you, I said to my mum, we're talking about passports. And she said, you don't need a passport for the Isle of Wight, do you? No, not quite. <laughs> it's still England. I said to the grandkids once we were coming back on the ferry because we took them there every year. 
they've grown up a bit now. They'd who wants to go to the Isle of Wight with grandma and granddad? Ooh, not me. I'm a teenage girl. We've got two twins. They're what fourteen. We've got uh, the other granddaughter. She's seventeen. Yeah, we've got uh, two girls of fourteen. A girl of coming up to 17 and then the little boy of seven he likes the Isle of Wight still but the teenage girls said what Isle of Wight Robin Hill Black Gang Chine fantastic places for kids but not teenage girls we went to uh, if you've been there Shanklin Chine is good have a look no don't look on the map Shanklin you won't see the Chine it's like a a stream uh, a, a brook or whatever going down there's more listen I think that's WhatsApp messages. That's probably Trisha. She's round her mum's. She's probably sending me messages and I'm ignoring them. So there's this stream that goes down to Shanklin Beach. All through the woods, there's rocks, there's waterfalls. Fantastic place to walk all the way down. The trouble is, it's getting back up because you park your car at the top. Then you've got to get back up. But there is, you can cheat. There's a lift. Walking along the seafront is cliffs, very high cliffs. And there's a lift that goes right up to the top of the cliff. And what was that? Only a pound or something each. So that was good. I'm not walking back. I can't do I can't walk up hills. Well, not up a cliff. Anyway, there were, I saw, there were steps going up, sort of zigzagging up the side of this cliff. Oh, no way can I do that. Anyway, what I was saying was, we were coming back on the ferry and uh, you could see the Spinnaker Tower at Portsmouth. And I said to the girls, oh, look, we're back. There's England. And they're looking at me. What were they, about eight, eight, nine, ten years old? They're looking at me. Isn't the Isle of Wight England, Granddad? I said, yeah, they, they weren't fooled. <laughs> England, I don't know. They were really happy days. I miss those days, taking the kids to the Isle of Wight. It was fantastic. We'd all pile in the car. They'd stay with us overnight. Then in the morning, all pile in the car. And I'd say, right, we're all strapped in. Yeah, who wants to go to the Isle of Wight? They all shout out, me, me. And they loved it. They loved it. So did I. Now, here's the thing. The Isle of Wight have got lovely roads. I think they've had a, a road scheme where they've resurfaced a load of the roads on the island. Brilliant. I was walking to the dentist through the town the other day, which I hate. I hate the town. And there's all this new layout and new tarmac everywhere. And Tris said, oh, look, this is what they've been doing because she's always down. I can't go down there. I hate it. And I said, what's all this nonsense? They've got wavy lines drawn on all this sort of asphalt surface. It used to be a road. It's now not a road. It's, I don't know what it is. And I said to her, they must have spent tens of thousands of pounds doing all this. And yet the potholes in all the roads all around the town. Oh, no, leave those. As she pointed out, I suppose, yeah, the potholes are, well, it's the highway or um, West Sussex Council, isn't it? Not the actual town or whatever it is, council used to be the town council. It's not the town council anymore, is it? I don't know what it is. Well, whatever it is, it's a rip-off. <laughs> friend of mine, he doesn't like anything to do with the council. Uh, the electricity board, he used to work for the electricity board, this chap I know. Bless him, he's a lovely chap. And he's always, price of electricity, price of gas. Oh, when I worked for the electricity board, when I was a boy. But he hates the council. We'd chat on the radio. He's another radio amateur. And if I ever mention the council, that's it. He's off on one. <laughs> oh dear. Hang on, where's the sun gone? What's it? Clouds? Dull? Oh, I think we've got more rain on the way. Can you hear that? The dustmen are coming. 
We haven't heard the dustbin for... Well, they were on strike for a couple of months, weren't they? Haven't heard the dustbin coincide with the podcast recording. That hasn't happened for a long, long time. So there we are. You now have the joy of hearing the dustbin in the background. Now, talking of TV adverts, which we weren't, you know this is one of my bugbears. Is that the right term, bugbear? I don't know. The voices they use on adverts. Hang on, I'll have to wait. Did you hear that? I'll have to... Oh, now another news flash. Hang on, let's get all this noise and distraction over with. I'll be back in a nanosecond. I think we have peace and quiet. The old flag's blowing well, still from the West, which is good. Now, TV adverts, voices. There are some... Oh, the dustmen are still banging a bit. Sorry about that. There's some advert. They're saying um, afternoon programmes, and it's this woman's voice. Your TV programmes... Brought to you by XYZ. And she does it throughout this whole... They're advertising... Um, you know, they, they are sponsoring the programmes, afternoon programmes on a certain channel. Brought to you by XYZ. Oh, dear me. And then you get these um, these chairs, these electric you know, wheelchair things and uh, mobility things and walk-in showers and stuff, you know, where you can just walk in there, close the door, sit down and fill it up and have a bath or a shower. They always use women that seem to be in their late 30s or 40s. I'm sure they're not into their 50s even. And they're meant to be you know, so old that they oh, they can't walk. Oh, my back. Oh, my back's gone. I've got to be careful. I need to sit in a, in a mobility scooter thing. I can't walk very far. And they're all these young women. And they look perfectly fit and healthy to me. Why don't? Everyone has said this to me. Everyone in Britain, well, few people I know have said to me, why don't they use older people that perhaps really do have a back problem or a hip problem? Why do they have to use these young women? Who is it that makes up these adverts? Some idiot sitting behind a desk somewhere, I suspect. Oh, I know we'll do this. Let's have a woman that says, welcome to the afternoon programmes. Good grief, stone the crows even more. When I was a boy, adverts were great. They were lovely. There's this new fairy liquid one. Have you seen that? Where there's a, a baby in a nappy, a cartoon thing. Uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy. In the old days, the fairy liquid adverts were great. Well, you know, the little song, I won't sing it. Your hands that do dishes can be soft as your face. With mild green fairy liquid. Sorry. And they were nice. They were nice adverts back then. And now, here, yeah, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Or what, in it? Good grief. What sort of advert is that? Who's Do they think they're going to... People will buy their washing up liquid because of this tough guy, badly spoken baby. I don't know. Just made myself a cup of coffee and I had a look outside. I went out into the garden and the sky is black over to the north, over the downs behind us. Absolutely black and the wind's getting up a bit now. So we could well be in for some more rain, which isn't good. The garden's had enough, I think. When I was a boy, again, when I was a boy, when I first started buying petrol, I could fill my car up for sort of, I don't know, five, ten pounds, if that. We filled, <laughs> we filled up with petrol. Uh, we're just about on empty. So we thought, right, we'll fill up with petrol before the Isle of Wight trip. Hundred pounds <laughs> to fill the tank. One hundred pounds. I mean, what is going on? Had someone said to me when I was young with my first car, one day it'll cost you £100 to fill up with petrol. That's all I earned a year back then. Well, no, I think it was more than that. Well, it was a lot more than that. But I mean, 
Bats. Good grief. I said to Trish I could have bought another aerial or another amateur radio transmitter or something for £100. She said, well, you're not. We're going to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> Mind you, when we were there, I did order an aerial, which has turned up. That was 40 quid. You're not here to listen to me going on about ham radio, are you? My chair's creaking again. I must buy a new chair. They're probably £3,000 now. Just heard an aeroplane fly over, which reminds me, when we were on the island, there's a, a Spitfire that's based at Goodwood. There's a little uh, airport at Goodwood. And it flies, I think, it. what was it, uh, nearly £4,000. And you can have a trip in a Spitfire, a genuine Spitfire. How about that? Nearly four grand. I mean, I can't afford that. And it flew all round the island and across the island. And I've got one of these apps because I, you know, I listen to the aircraft on my radio. And I've got a, an app thing where you can see online uh, as a map. And you can see the, the aircraft, you tap on it and it tells you what it is, shows you where it's been, where it's going, its height, its speed. So we were following the Spitfire and waiting for it to come round again, looking on the map and listening on the radio to the pilot chatting to whoever it was, probably Bembridge or Sandown Airport. So they fly, I think, you uh, what was it, an hour, nearly an hour for £4,000. You get an hour, or was it half an hour? But uh, yeah, fantastic. I wouldn't mind doing that. But it's a lot of money, isn't it? £4,000. But it's good that people want to pay that amount because it keeps the Spitfire going. It must cost a lot to maintain it and to run it. The fuel alone probably cost a couple of grand. Just checking my notes here and it says collecting things and in brackets a beer mat. What that was, a friend of mine, years, decades and decades and years ago, hundreds of years ago, he collected things. You know, I've talked before about matchbox covers, cigarette packets. He collected beer mats, all this, I was going to say stuff, all these items, all these things. You name it, he collected it. Even beer bottle tops, you know, the top you take off and the old bottles. This is before the days of all these ring pull cans. He collected beer bottle tops, train tickets, bus tickets, anything he could get his hands on, he would collect. And he moved out to Australia when he was in his 20s. I think we've not been in touch now for quite a number of years. I'm a, I don't have his email or anything. Anyway, that's another, another issue. He collected a load of stuff. He had a whole load of gear. I remember seeing it in his bedroom before he left home. He had scrapbooks full of newspaper cuttings, tickets to uh, pop concerts, things like that, loads of bits and pieces. When he left home, he put it all up in the loft because he was going off to Australia. He said to his mum, I'll stick it all up in the loft then, you know, one day when I come back, because he did intend to move back here. And anyway, he never came back. Well, he visited, but he didn't come back to live. On one of his visits back to Britain, uh, he, he rang me. We didn't actually meet, but he phoned me. And he said, you know, all that stuff I had in the loft? Said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, I asked my mum to sell it in the end. Just get someone to sell it. Now, his mother went to a... I mean, there were no online auctions then. There was no eBay or anything. She went to some local auction house and a chap came round and he said, yep, we should be able to get rid of that lot for you. And he set it all up. Uh, it's a long story, but basically she got, and I'm going back, how far am I going back? Um, 19, I think 1990s. She got £40,000 for the whole lot. Can you imagine that? £40,000. There was a lot of stuff there. It wasn't just a few scrapbooks and a few cigarette packets and matchbox labels. There was a lot of stuff. It was a bedroom full of stuff that went up into the loft. 
but 40,000. That's an amazing amount of money. I've just been having a look on uh, Twitter and someone's put on there, have I dreamt this? Uh, or did someone actually on the telly say that in this country, that's Britain, they used to leave babies outside shops in the pram while the parents went inside? What the actual... I can't repeat that. Please tell me this wasn't a thing. It was a thing. Babies were left outside shops. There was... Uh, you know, they weren't stolen. Well, I don't know. Were they stolen? I mean, you couldn't do it these days. You'd come out and find the baby and the pram gone. But yeah, I do think that one or two were taken... But I do remember as a kid, you walk along the high street in town, loads of shops with babies in prams outside. You know, the pram wouldn't fit in the shop. It's too big, especially if there's half a dozen mums going into the shop. You've got half a dozen prams outside. So, yeah, that did happen. I do remember that. I'm often asked whether it's true that people did lock their doors when they, you know, they were at home, they're in the garden. Did they leave the back door or the front door open? Um, the front door mainly, of course. People didn't leave the front door open for no reason. They didn't just think, oh, I'll leave it open while I'm in the back garden. But if they were working in the house, perhaps working in the kitchen or doing housework or whatever, very often you'd have the front door open while you're vacuuming because there's dust everywhere and you just get a through draft. I remember that. I remember people doing that. Neighbours would pop round. They'd wander in. They'd, you know, you'd find a neighbour in your kitchen saying, hello, are you there? And you know, they want a cup of sugar or they'd... They'd run out of tea or coffee or something and you'd, you'd give them a cup of whatever. So, yes, it uh, things were very different back then. There was no neighbourhood watch or anything like that. All you had was your, your local policeman pottering about on his bicycle. I remember driving down to the beach, leave the car there, red hot summer's day, leave the windows open in the car. Nothing in there, of course. Dear. Don't leave an expensive camera sitting on the passenger seat, but leave the windows open so the car didn't get to, you know, kind of half a million degrees. You come back to your car a few hours later, no one had stolen the car or done anything. Mind you, the, <laughs> the car I had, the various cars I had, probably weren't worth stealing anyway. But um, no, one or two of them were. Cars were stolen back then. Houses were burgled, don't get me wrong. People were mugged. But it was nothing like today, when every day you're hearing on the news people being stabbed and robbed and mugged and burgled and goodness knows what. It was, it was nothing like that at all. On a brighter note, we've just uh, booked up for next year's <laughs> Isle of Wight holiday to the same place. It was such a fantastic place we went to. We've booked there again. And of course, if you book a year in advance, you do get discounts and stuff like that. So that's good. That's a bit of positive news. Many people have said to me over the years, why do you go back to the Isle of Wight every single year? Well, we don't. Last year, we went to Somerset and we looked round uh, Wookiee Hole. In fact, we stayed just outside the caves, Wookiee Hole. Fantastic place, Somerset. I love Devon. I love the West Country. I think what it is with the Isle of Wight, it's not far to drive. I mean, I'm in, in West Sussex, as you know. I can see from the downs here, if you go up the downs, up the hill, I can see the Isle of Wight on a clear day. In fact, a friend of mine lives in a flat and the flat's fairly high up and he can see the Isle of Wight on a clear day from his lounge window, which is rather nice. So it's not that far. I don't like driving miles. It was different when I was younger, of course, but these days with the amount of traffic on the roads and, and the amount of idiots on the roads, I just don't want to do it. So we just nipped down to Portsmouth, 
across the Solent on the ferry and we're there, we're on holiday. We always say the holiday starts when we're on the ferry. We have a cup of coffee, look out at the at the Solent, all the ships and the boats, huge container ships, oil tankers, brilliant. I love all that. So that's all booked up. We're ready to go. <laughs> Happy days. Thanks for listening as always. I'll end it here. It's been great talking to you. I hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope I haven't banged on about any particular subject for too long because if I do I know that you will email me raiserants at protonmail.com be nice to hear from you (laughs) with complaints moans ideas or even praise from one or two of you take care look after yourselves and I will see you on Wednesday for the midweek message bye-bye for now